1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
0: This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. We are filling in today for Mike Greenberg. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at ESPN Radio, at AmberW790, at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can also reach out to us. 888-SAY-ESPN, that is 888-729-3776. A lot to get to on today's show. Tons of news and action out of the NBA. We haven't forgotten about the NFL Combine. And of course, Coach K's last game is coming up for Duke. But first, we have to start with Kevin Durant. Because after missing a month and a half because of a sprained MCL in his left knee, Joe Durant is back, but does it matter? It is time for straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless because the nets took on the Miami heat last night and the Miami heat decided to spoil KD's return for the Brooklyn nets. Now I'm going to go rogue on this segment, Joe, because this is my Miami heat. And now I don't know how familiar you are with the Miami market. Okay. But we have a bit of a Persecution complex down in the Miami market. Okay, when it comes persecution to heat, complex. yeah, a little bit. When it comes to heat, when it comes to canes, when it comes to all of the sports in Miami. Okay, where Miami fans always feel like everyone's against them and no one's talking about them, and the national media isn't giving them the love. And nine times out of ten, little overstated. Sorry to all my three hundred five red or dies out there, but. I will say this season with the Heat, it has felt a little bit like that. It is legitimizing that persecution complex a little bit because – We're not giving enough love to Miami Heat, and they have been sitting atop the East practically the entire season long. And I got on a flight last night, so I missed this game. I wasn't able to see this game in action. I get on the flight, and at first I'm like, okay, you know, no Jimmy, no Kyle Lowry, no P.J. Tucker, and I have zero expectations because I know Kevin Durant's making his return. By the time I land, I get the alert that the Heat actually pulled this one out and that the Nets coughed up a very significant lead And frankly, I had to do a double take. I almost didn't believe it. And then I thought, well, maybe KD doesn't have his legs back under him and he needs a little time here. And that wasn't the case, Joe. KD looked great.
1: Durant looked very solid last night. And to your earlier point on Miami fan being disrespected, you can get into a room and commiserate with Memphis fan and Utah jazz fan and Chicago bull fan, because you guys all at this point have had solid seasons, but aren't necessarily being recognized. Maybe
0: even Cleveland fans too. Maybe
1: even Cleveland. Yeah. you know, cause They're struggling a little bit down the stretch, but they have had an outstanding year relative to what was expected from them before the season started. Durant looked solid last night. I mean, what do you expect? He's been out for 46 days. He comes back. We haven't seen him since January 15th in a matchup against the New Orleans Pelicans when he only played 12 minutes. And he scores 31 points on 47% shooting. Offensively, he looked pretty solid. I think more importantly... Coming off the injury, he played 35 minutes. If you were easing him back in and he was going to play 18 minutes, 20 minutes, 22 minutes, something like that, you might be concerned down the line as to how long it's going to take to ramp him up. But to get 35 minutes from him last night, that's the most telling sign from a positive perspective. This Miami team, what are you going to do? They shot 51% from the floor last night. It was their eighth best shooting performance in 64 games all season. So if you want to look to a problem for Brooklyn, it was the fact that they clearly did not play very good defense. But the question, Amber, now becomes, what do we make of the Nets big picture rest of the way out? We're running out of time here. If you're thinking about playoff seeding and you're Brooklyn right now, you are the eighth seed. You are 10 games out of first. You're three games back at Toronto at seven, which means you're desperately, desperately hoping to avoid the play-in, but you're probably going to get it. So Durant, Irving, Simmons, zero combined games all season together. I don't think that's a good sign as you get ready to make the final playoff push here.
0: Well, and the Nets have had no opportunity to really come together or have any sense of camaraderie this season at all. Obviously, Simmons wouldn't have that opportunity, but we know what happened there with Harden, and it just hasn't been that. Also, of course, with the injuries to KD, with the COVID issues earlier in the season as well, it's been a very tumultuous season for the Nets. And like you said, they're right now eighth in the East. They're in a situation where they could find themselves, of course, on the outside looking in, and they still have a part-time Kyrie Irving. I don't know if that's going to change. We keep thinking maybe it's going to change. I know the mayor of New York keeps alluding to the fact that it's going to change and it hasn't yet changed. So for now, we certainly can't rely on the fact that he's going to be anything more than a part-time player. Ben Simmons, he's dealing with back soreness. Apparently he ramps up his workouts to try to make a return here to basketball. He hasn't been playing all season long and his back doesn't react well, which seems legitimate to me that of course, like you could have some physical ailments there when you're trying to make your way back. Back to that level of play with how long he has been sitting out. I do have some concerns of what that means. You know, were you not keeping yourself in good enough shape? I don't know exactly what his situation is, but whatever it is, it's totally unclear when he's coming back. And so you can't even rely on him making his way back and becoming a real contributor to this team. And that's not even a knock on his play. Uh, defensively, we know what Simmons brings to the game. The problem is we haven't seen him play basketball. I have no idea, not just how he's going to fit into this group, but I have no idea how long it's going to take him when he is back out there to develop that chemistry or get his legs back under him. And then Joe uh, Harris is now shut down for the season with that season-ending ankle uh, surgery. So it has been a tumultuous season for the Brooklyn Nets, and frankly, Joe, I don't know if it's going to change in time for them to get anything done, even though we all – expect because of KD that at some point here they're going to make some noise it just hasn't been the case
1: because of KD is why they're going to have any chance at all but outside of that I wouldn't put a single dollar of my money on them to make a deep run at all at this point in time maybe some informational change but to be honest with you give me one example in sports history where you've had a championship team have this little consistency throughout the course of the season Durant's played 37 games. Kyrie Irving has played 15 games. Ben Simmons has played none. They've never played a single game together. You have injury concerns with Durant. You've got concerns with Kyrie. You've got injury concerns with Ben Simmons. You're not a high seed. The East has plenty of teams that can give you a fight in the playoffs. Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, Chicago's going to be feisty. Boston's coming on late. You might have to deal with the play-in, which who knows if you have some bad officiating or a bad night, what could end up happening there? Teams don't win championships with this type of inconsistency. And Ben Simmons is who he is. There, One thing you can bank on with Simmons is that there will always be an issue. There will always be an issue. It might not be a major issue, but it might be, I can't hit my free throws. It might be, I can't close late. It might be... I have an injury. It might be my head's not in it right now. Whatever it is, there's always something. With Durant, he's electrifying when he's on the court. We saw him single-handedly almost will them into the finals last year. But you've got to be concerned about the injuries. They pop up all the time. And then with Irving, what's the consistency level there? Injuries have been a problem in the past. Availability has been a problem in the past. You don't win championships with this level of inconsistency. That's the problem for the Nets. That's always been the problem since this whole thing started. They are too inconsistent in terms of being on the court night in and night out, competing. That's the problem.
0: That is the problem. That is Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Greeny. I guess the only good news here for the Nets coming out of last night is that Durant did say after the game that he felt great. He said, I felt great, and I'm only going to get better. I just don't know if better is going to be enough. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, we turn our attention to the NFL as we talk to our front office insider, Greeny is on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
0: Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Greeny today. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. With nationwide 5G on America's best networks, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So the NFL Combine, Joe, has been going on this week. And the biggest breaking news yesterday out of the Combine was Kenny Pickett's hands. They are apparently eight and a half inches. I know nothing about nothing, but I understand that that's small for a quarterback. And I don't know what any of it means, Joe. Help me unpack this. I know Twitter very much cares about Kenny Pickett's hand size. And the meme world is having a field day with his hand size. But I'm not sure it actually means anything in the NFL.
1: Here's what it means. Number one, we love the National Football League. We love it so much that we are going to create a situation where a guy is going to have his hands measured, and then we are going to make that the number one story in the country. That speaks more to us than it does to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's fine. You watch the games that he played at Pitt this year. He was a fantastic quarterback. He was a Heisman finalist for a reason. Whether or not he will succeed in the NFL will come down to a variety of factors, from where he lands, to his coaching, to whether or not he can raise his game to the next level. But I don't think hand size will ultimately be the determining factor as to whether or not Kenny Pickett has success at the next level the same thing was said about joe burrow last year remember or a few years ago excuse me joe burrow had that famous tweet about how he was thinking about retiring because the ball was going to slip through his tiny hands and he was going to be unable to make plays at the next level and yet we just saw him playing in the super bowl so we love the nfl we love to overreact to stories especially on social media but i think long term kenny pickett's going to be okay
0: I would imagine long-term he'll be okay, or at least if he's not okay. I'm not sure how much it's going to have to do with his hand size. But imagine being 23 years old and an entire country is waiting for somebody to measure your hand. That's like the reported breaking news. And now we're sitting here talking about it. Joe Fortman and Amber Wilson are sitting here talking about it on ESPN radio. So that's the biggest story coming out of the combine. There were other stories, of course, Joe, like Matt Corral didn't even participate in workouts. I do wonder, is the combine the same as it used to be? It almost feels a bit like a dinosaur and maybe more of a pageantry contest and learning uh, that Kenny Pickett's hands are eight and a half inches and, and waiting hours for that information yesterday is entertaining. I'm just not sure it's honestly very necessary or pivotal in, in terms of anybody's NFL career.
1: It's not as essential as it's made out to be, but for different reasons. There's two things that are really important about the NFL Combine right now. Number one, it is a big brand TV production. Like there's, there's revenue that comes from this. It is televised. It is interesting. Number two, it's essentially a summit in which the entire National Football League, from the media to the owners to the front offices to former players, they get together there. They get together and a lot gets done, especially with free agency on the horizon. The agents are gathering and meeting with teams. They're trying to jockey contracts and deals into position. So it is an important event from a lot of perspectives. But when you're specifically looking at the results produced on the field, I think it's more about finding the guys who show up, handle the pressure, and produce well. And then the guys who come in and maybe the pressure is too much for them. That's it. The fact that the Rams didn't send their head coach, the Niners didn't send their head coach, that that speaks volumes as to how important this is from an efficiency standpoint. These teams are starting to realize eh it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as it's blown up to, but it does very much matter when it comes to TV and when it comes to the networking and the media and everything that takes place in Indianapolis over those handful of days.
0: And money, money, money. Uh, it yeah. matters in terms of that. And the year round popularity of the NFL, of course, it plays to all of that and it helps bolster the entire product. I've, I was on a greenie with Harry Douglas the last couple of days. He was, uh, he said that his combine experience was miserable. So from the player perspective, not necessarily the most fun few days of your. in, entire life but I do wonder with some of these lesser known so like right now with the quarterbacks in this draft we've talked a lot about this isn't necessarily the heaviest quarterback draft and a lot of these guys in Mel Kiper's top 10 on his draft board so far in his mock drafts are from far smaller schools than we're used to talking about. And so a lot of America isn't watching these quarterbacks. So from that perspective, I do, under, I, I do wonder if hey, you're, you're kind of tuned into the NFL draft. You haven't been watching Liberty all season and some of these lesser schools that are producing this quarterback talent. And so you tune into the combine to kind of lay some eyes on what you might expect coming up at the draft. That could maybe be an option for your team.
1: No doubt. This is a great educational process for the fans in general because you get to know a lot of the guys who you might not have seen as much during the college football season. Like, let's be honest. Every Saturday at 3.30, Alabama's on TV. You're going to get to know Alabama. But at the same time, do you know Tyquan Thornton, the wide receiver out of Baylor? who blew the doors off the 40-yard dash yesterday, ran a 4-2-1, and then later when the official time was recalculated, it was a 4-2-8. That was the fastest of the evening. The wide receivers set a record. We had eight wide receivers who ran sub-4-4 at the combine. That's never happened since they've evaluated with this equipment in 2006, right? They used to use the old stopwatches. Now it's electronic timed. It's a whole thing. But this that's a record. So it shows to the difference in training and preparation for a lot of these guys. More focus on track training, right? Speed training, being able to show up here and run really fast rather than to necessarily be a polished route runner. So you're getting to know some of the names. You're getting to get an idea of what these guys are about because they do meet with the media. They're asked a lot of questions. A lot of profiles are written. So it's a great educational process. But in terms of truly evaluating whether player A will be inserted into the starting lineup and be able to make an impactful difference, I think it falls way down the list in terms of watching tape from college and things of that nature.
0: That was always my problem with my 40, Joe, is it was the old stopwatches. That's why it yeah. looks like I ran a twenty-five forty. 40 was because of the old <laughs> stopwatches. Uh, the You know, I can believe that speed actually matters in the NFL, and I can believe that your 40 times – they see speed that they weren't expecting. If the scouts see it, and they weren't expecting to see it, I know it's not in-game, and so that matters. But when we're talking about something like the receiver position, I would imagine that it is on their minds and that they do take that into account. This hand-size thing I think is – frankly just social media fodder because i've done a little research here the largest measured quarterback's hands in nfl history joe fortenbaugh
2: passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more
0: a first rounder tech yes there you go 1997 he threw more interceptions than touchdowns with 11.25 inch paws those are some hands
3: so we find actually (laughs) equate
0: to success by the way do you want to guess who last season in the nfl had the largest hands who's that uh jake Dolagala jake dollagag you i can't say his name because he never made it into a game he apparently has over 11 inch hands as well so i think we're seeing a trend here that maybe the largest hands isn't necessary at the quarterback position That's a
1: great point and uh credit to you for putting those lawyer skills to the test because we're focusing on how the small hands are gonna hurt the player well the natural counters will show me the big hands and how great those guys have done and naturally it has not panned out all that well i mean to one, to one element, as you're sitting there evaluating everything, you don't want to let anything slip through the cracks. You measure the hands and you think to yourself, all right, if you're playing in Pittsburgh, if you're playing in Buffalo, if you're playing in a place where you're going to have cold, nasty, windy weather and you're going to have pressure, perhaps, just perhaps, a smaller hand could lead to more fumbles. It might lead to a situation where you not, might not be able to as consistently throw the ball with high velocity down the field. But that's probably overthinking the process, right? Put on the kid's tape. And if he looks good in college, that's going to be your number one indicator.
0: Right. It's always really all about the tape. Uh, Todd McShay, of course, ESPN NFL Draft Insider. He was on SportsCenter last night at 6 p.m. after the news broke of Kenny Pickett's hand size. Here is Todd McShay.
1: Well, first of all, just for context, there hasn't been a quarterback in the NFL who's had sustained success. Going back to Michael Vick with under nine inches in terms of the hand span, you measure from the, the pinky to the to the thumb. And, and the reason I say that is there, there have been dozens and dozens of guys who have been under that nine inch mark. And Joe Burrow, listen, he had nine inches and he had great success, obviously. So and we're talking about a half of an inch. I understand. But then what do you see on tape? You see the 22 fumbles. You see issues in the North Carolina game in the rain. You see the second day of practice at the at Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, and he struggled more than any other quarterback there.
0: The current smallest hands in the entire NFL at the quarterback position is Taysom Hill, and I don't know if we necessarily can consider him a quarterback, but Joe Burrow, you mentioned McShay mentioned it there. Joe Burrow, nine-inch hands. You had mentioned that tweet from Burrow back in the day, and obviously Burrow's gone on to do just fine. Dealing with a dead battery? Head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free battery testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not, or if you're in need of a fresh charge. And if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help you with that too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just 79.99, and they're the only place you can find proven tough Durlast batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. So Out of the combine, or at least in the midst of the combine, is a lot of conversation then surrounding that quarterback position. I mentioned that Matt Crowell didn't even bother to participate in workouts, but you are getting eyes on quarterbacks that you might not be particularly familiar with. Well, there's a quarterback in the NFL who has made his discontent very obvious in oh. the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And the Cardinals made some news this week when they gave their GM and their head coach extensions. So they did put pen to paper it just wasn't for their quarterback at least not yet even though it was very obvious from Kyler Murray's agent with a statement earlier this week that that's exactly what Kyler Murray is looking for we got at first the removal of all Cardinal stuff from his social media because that's what the kids do these days and then we got the actual formal statement from his agent hey I'm committed or my client's committed to the Cardinals as long as they're going to pay him this is essentially what the statement read like and listen he's looking for an extension I think he's on the fourth year of of his rookie deal and so that situation is interesting when we're looking I think as well at the landscape of quarterbacks in this draft and in the next upcoming drafts what I would say Joe is Kyler Murray's don't grow on trees and I don't know Kyler Murray's not a proven quarterback right but like we just spent this week watching these guys at the Combine None of those dudes are proven. I mean, they're a lot less proven than a Kyler Murray. And at least Kyler Murray, we know, is at worst a decent quarterback, right? But at times, he's looked like an excellent, great quarterback, despite how their season ended. So I think that we all think the future is bright for a 24-year-old in Kyler Murray. And if I'm the Cardinals, I don't like how Kyler Murray is handling this. But at the same time, the grass ain't always greener.
1: Is Kyler Murray great or is Kyler Murray exciting? Because those are two different things. I don't think Michael Vick was great. I think he was very exciting. And that doesn't mean he's bad. I just think that there's a difference. I think we can get caught up in excitement and we can try to say that it's greatness. Kyler Murray's leadership is in serious question. Like everything from top to bottom about the guy shows that he's not a great leader. That position needs to be a great leader. I'd rather have a great leader who's somewhat deficient in terms of athletic skill compared to Kyler Murray than have that type of skill and lack the leadership. He's got everything he needs, right? He's got an offensive-minded head coach. They share an agent. He's got weapons in DeAndre Hopkins and others. He's got what he needs to succeed. And yet, after three years, the results are good. They're promising. They ain't great, though. All right, they ain't great. You're closer to Baker Mayfield than you are Josh Allen. And I know a lot of people are going to get upset with that. And they're going to say, well, you know, wait a minute, Baker Mayfield this. Baker Mayfield wants to get paid too. Okay, but there's questions in Cleveland as to how they're going to go about it and what the ceiling is. Murray's athletic talent, not in question. Murray's ability to lead, Murray's ability to grow up, Murray's ability to take the next step, to put the franchise on his back and take them to another level. That is in question, and when you're talking about putting this much money into the quarterback position, leadership better be a box that's checked.
0: Try the $45 silver unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G on America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required, actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So we bring in our friend on the guest line, ESPN NFL front office insider, Mike Tannebaum. And so, Mike, let's start there with you. This Kyler Murray situation, when I talked to you a couple of days ago, you were pretty down on how Kyler has gone about this. Then Arizona extended his head coach, extended his GM. Does that change the situation at all for how the Cardinals deal with this situation with Murray?
2: macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year head to macy's.com gift finder today
4: that's macy's.com gift finder this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do big small and when we keep them bottled up as i sometimes have had happen in the past it can start to affect us negatively therapy is a safe space for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
3: Not particularly. Uh, again, I think Kyle Murray's a good player. I would keep him. I would probably extend him, just given the supply and the demand of the position. But uh, again, just very disappointed that his agent chose social media to put all this out there. I just don't think that's the appropriate way to handle business.
1: Mike switching to the combine. One of the big stories, Amber and I were just talking about Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh quarterback, his hand size and whether or not we're making too big of a deal of it. I mean, you've evaluated talent for years. You understand what goes into the quarterback position, the attributes, positive and negative. When it comes to hand size, how much did that matter to you and your team?
3: You know, context is everything. You know, he did um, have 27 fumbles. So, um, That that would be a little bit of a concern. So it's not just um, what his hand size is, it's, you know, it's hand size plus, you know, some of these other things like 27 fumbles. So that would be as big a concern as, as much as the measurement.
0: So, Mike, you've been out there this week. Is there anything that you've seen at the Combine? Because when Joe and I were having the conversation, it bit in jest, right about Kenny Pickett's hand size, but we were discussing how some of these quarterbacks that you got to see out there the last couple of days weren't necessarily quarterbacks that everyone's aware of around the country. It was there somebody particularly at that position who you saw stand out or really helped themselves here at the Combine that maybe we wouldn't have been otherwise so familiar with?
3: Well, you know, so, some guys that threw it well, I thought Sam Howell did. I thought Malik Willis showed, you know, why he's such an intriguing prospect. You know, he was a little inconsistent, but, boy, he's a great athlete, uh, has exceptional, exceptional arm strength, and um, I think he has a chance to be really good long-term. So those were a couple of guys that stood out. Um, you know, it's hard for these quarterbacks. They haven't worked with, you know, most of these receivers, but it's also an opportunity. I love the ones that, you know, come out, compete, do everything. Uh, Don't know why Malik Willis didn't run. I mean, we saw how fast the track was. So, um, but I thought Hal, Pickett, Willis had pretty good days.
1: Where does this process rank? in the overall evaluation process in terms of importance, you're obviously going to watch a lot of film from the players in college. You're going to meet with the players. You're going to do your homework, the background checks, there's the combine, there's everything in between like the senior bowl and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Where does this combine process rank in terms of how valuable this information is in evaluating a prospect?
3: Yeah, that is a great question. Um, after 20 years, I don't know if I can answer that. You know, I still have a lot to learn. And, um, you know, I look back at some of my greatest successes drafting Hall of Famers like Darrell Revis and some of my biggest failures, and um, there's a lot of those that we can certainly talk about. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's an important part, but, you know, I think when it's all said and done, you know, how they play on tape is always going to be the most important aspect of it. So um, it's a great question. It's a great discussion. Um, I ask GMs out all the time, but I think really what it is, it's more of a check and balance to verify or look at you know, the concerns you may have had on on tape.
0: Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider on with Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson here on greenie. So Mike, let's talk specifics about the combine process. Since obviously you have been so involved in this process, not just on the broadcasting side, but on the GM side for so many years, this was the first time this year that the NFL was not administering the Wonderlick test. Uh, That's obviously been criticized. Now, apparently teams can still give it to prospects, but just in terms of, some of these things that happen at the combine, some of the events, physical, mental interviews, whatever, what do you think is the most important component when scouts are out there or head coaches or GMs and they are looking at the prospects who who are out there? Like, what are you actually getting the most out of during the combine experience?
3: Yeah, without question, it's the physicals. It's, you know, have your doctors actually get physicals on the players. After that, the second most important thing is the interviews. You know, for quarterbacks, we want battlefield commanders. We want people that are going to take blame and distribute credit. And the interview process is a great way to kind of to do that. And the last part, which is ironically the part that the public sees the most, is the workouts. But of, of all those buckets, it's by far the least important. When you were
1: evaluating prospects in meetings, did you ever have one or two questions, curveball type questions that came out of left field in an effort to see how the player would respond to that question?
3: Uh, it's not. I don't know. If it's about left field. I think it's about behavioral based interviewing. I, I want to know who you call when you have a bad day. Tell me a time you've walked into a room and had someone change your mind. Give me an example when you were a great teammate. What have you worked hard at in your life but were unable to accomplish? You know, those are the sort of things I want to know about somebody. I want to cut them in half and see what oozes out of them. Are they a world class competitor? Do they have mental and physical toughness? Do they inspire teammates, or do they like to be held accountable? Those are the things we want to know.
0: Oh, man, I just got nervous. I don't know if I want Mike Tannenbaum ever interviewing me for a job. You, sound, you certainly sound uh, quite good at it. So, if,
1: Mike's, if you pass Mike in the hallway and he's like, how you doing? It's like, why do you care?
0: Yeah, why are you asking me that, Tannenbaum?
3: <laughs> uh, what, what, you're trying to crack my soul you know, wide open? You know, it's funny. My two teenagers say the same thing. Like, every time we go out to dinner, I'm like, let's, ha- let's ask each other some questions. They're like, oh, dad, stop.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. So finally here Mike on the way out Uh, the NFL announced no more COVID-19 protocols what kind of effect do you see that having were you surprised by that news
3: yeah I think you know again here's where like we got to emphasize I'm so glad you brought this up that was a joint decision and when we juxtapose the greatest sport in the world which is football and look at that other thing that has you know nine innings and they can't even get a labor agreement done I think So much credit goes to the leadership of not just the NFL, but the NFLPA. That was a joint decision. And they got through two years of an insidious pandemic, which cost, you know, a lot of people lives and and countless others impacted them. And I just think we should celebrate the leadership of both the ownership and the Players Association to get through it. And I think it's a a meaningful day. And hopefully, you know, it's um, something we can just put behind us and, and learn a whole bunch from.
0: Yeah, Mike, I think that's fair. The way that the league handles things sometimes gets a lot of criticism, but certainly the way that they have seemed to handle this pandemic uh, has certainly been a successful one. And, And I'm glad now they don't feel the need anymore for those protocols. Mike Tannenbaum on with Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Mike Greenberg. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you. The job search can be a frustrating journey filled with long, lonely hours on the computer and countless attempts to get noticed by employers. ZipRecruiter gets it. No one wants to feel alone in their job search. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They save you time by sending you jobs that you can apply to with just one click. And they pitch your profile to employers so that you stand out. Job seekers, feel the love sign up for free at ziprecruiter.com once again that is ziprecruiter.com coming up here on greenie let's talk aaron Rodgers again let's let's fill the let's let's fill our quota joe for the day that's next this is greenie on espn radio and on the espn app
1: greenie the podcast
0: for Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh filling in for Greeny, ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We have some breaking news out of the NFL, Joe. According to our very own Adam Schefter, the Cowboys are likely to release wide receiver Amari Cooper. By the start of the new league year deal, per sources, Cooper is due $20 million in fully guaranteed money on the fifth day of the new league year, which would be March 20th. Give me some thoughts there on the Cowboys releasing Amari Cooper.
1: It'd be smart. It's smart the way they're going about this, and it'd be smart to get rid of them because for them right now, Amari Cooper is a luxury item, and they can't afford him. If you cut Amari Cooper, if you move on from him, you're going to take on $6 million in dead cap space. Okay, but you're going to free up 16 million dollars in cap space, which means you can address the offensive line and some other positions of concern. Now, some people could say, look at Amari Cooper's numbers, Joe Fortinball. How dare you say he's a luxury item? Well, the Cowboys already have CeeDee Lamb. They've got guys at the position who can make plays. How much money do you want to tie up in that single position? Because right now, Amari Cooper is set to make 22 million dollars in each of the next three years. 22 million, that's like Aaron Donald money. Do you think you should be spending $22 million per year on a wide receiver when you already have C.D. Lamb, but you have other positions of need? such as the offensive line. you got to keep Dak Prescott healthy. So for the Cowboys, it's a smart decision to move on. It's also smart to release the information this way. Quote, likely to release Amari Cooper. That is a big signal to the other 31 teams in the NFL, hey, we're open for business. Because if Cooper's released, he immediately becomes a free agent. He does not have to wait for the start of free agency. He is immediately available. And this is a situation in which the Cowboys could throw up the signal to let them know, well, we're likely to release them. How many teams that need a wide receiver will now call Dallas to see what they could get for them? Because you could probably have them cheap. So that's where we're going from this point moving forward.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's better to just cut your losses in that situation or send up the smoke signals like you said, and it doesn't always matter who's good or productive at their position. Of course, in a salary cap sport, numbers matter a whole lot as well. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your auto, home, and car insurance together so that you can save on all of them. Learn at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. So, Joe, I wanted to bring up this new study. That very unscientifically, I'll add, proves that Aaron Rodgers might be the most hated player in the NFL. Here Bet online, something called Bet Online, apparently conducted a study on Twitter, and what they and nothing says science like Twitter. So oh, I, I yeah. you know, you, yeah, you, you I mean, this this feels like factual information here, but they concluded. That based on more than a million tweets, which were analyzed, and what they did is they used keyword association terms, some terms I can't say on the air, but just things (laughs) that weren't so friendly towards Aaron Rodgers, Roger Goodell, Antonio Brown, some People like that in the NFL that might have some negativity around them and have any given point on social media. And they ran this study to see who had the most negativity. Does it surprise you to know that Rodgers won or lost, depending how you look at that, by a landslide. He was the subject of almost 300,000 negative tweets. That was almost as many as the next three people. The next three people were Antonio Brown, Bill Belichick, and OBJ combined. So Aaron Rodgers getting a lot more negativity on Twitter. What do you make of that?
1: Three boxes are checked here as to why he's going to be the most disliked player in the National Football League. And uh, to be honest, he's not, right? If you really did a study and you put the information and some of the backgrounds of some of these guys up against Rodgers, I don't think a lot of people are going to go with Rodgers. Rodgers, number one, might be the most popular player in the league. So obviously he's going to be on the top of your mind. Number two, where was the the study conducted? Twitter. Twitter leans left. We all know that. And what is... Aaron Rodgers' big stance from this season that was non-football related, anti-vax. And how does anti-vax play on Twitter? We know the result. None of this is to be political, but to understand the mechanisms for how he won the award for most disliked player in the NFL. Well, he's extremely popular, and he took an extremely unpopular position on a platform that leans to the left, the other direction. And that's why you put all that together, and you have Aaron Rodgers as the most disliked guy in football. I say good for him. Good for him. Stay in the news every day like you want. Continue doing what you're doing because post career, he's going to have an incredible amount of opportunities that pay a lot of money for him to do a variety of different things.
0: I would say the one thing that you didn't include there as well is that he's also, you know, arguably the best player in the NFL this season. He did win the MVP and he has won back to back MVPs here, his fourth MVP overall. Like he is that good. And when you're that good, I think. In any league, you're going to get a lot of hate in addition to a lot of love. It's sort of like the old adage that, you know, there's no there's no such thing as bad news or bad coverage because even bad coverage ends up being good coverage for your brand. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the most popular faces in the NFL and certainly also one of the best. And so that's going to bring a lot of disdain on social media. But I do think... Joe, it's fair to say this whole dance we've been doing for what feels like a year and a half with Aaron Rodgers about his future there in Green Bay is leading to some further disdain around Aaron Rodgers. And The Athletic has an article out where they are reporting that there's widespread belief around the NFL now that Rodgers is going to remain in Green Bay. I do wonder how negative the reaction is going to be outside of Green Bay if he remains there like, yo, what was this all about?
1: Exactly. You're going to have a lot of people who just want the payoff, whether they like him or not. They're just going to want the payoff of where this saga ends. And if it ends in Green Bay, it's going to be very anticlimactic. And speaking of which thoughts and prayers to Chicago Bears fans out there, because no one's been toyed with more than you throughout this entire process. So if he comes back, our hearts and thoughts and prayers and minds are with you because no one's taking it worse than the Bears if that's the case
0: well they need it for several reasons up there in Chicago but I I do feel I've always felt strongly that he's going to remain in Green Bay because I think that makes most sense but I've never understood then what we're doing or even now when we keep hearing a decision's coming quick it's imminent and that's been for weeks and weeks and weeks that I've been hearing that already next we take a break from Aaron Rodgers we'll go to the world of college basketball where of course Coach K is hanging it up at Duke. That's next.